0: Subtle skills, big results.
1: Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Ninja Selling Podcast. We have a special episode for you today because we have an incredible guest. And before I introduce who he is, as a quick reminder, if you are new to this podcast, if you're new to Ninja and you want to learn more about what Ninja Selling is, where to find information about, hey, how can I learn more about the path head over to ninjaselling.com. There you can find all the information that you need about finding an installation, which is our four-day seminar, four-day class immersive experience that installs Ninja inside you and your business. You can find out about coaching, where you can get one-on-one attention from one of our fantastic coaches where Garrett and I spend a lot of our time. You can also learn about mastery, which is another step that you can take after an installation, or you can find the Ninja Selling book there as well. And you can also join our community on Facebook, just search for The Ninja Selling Podcast on Facebook and you'll find our group. Almost 12,000 members as of this recording. Probably will be over 12,000 by the time you're hearing this and looking for it because it is the fastest growing community in the entire universe. Isn't that right, Garrett?
1: I'd like to point out real quick, I know everybody thinks that Matt's intro is so much smoother than mine and his is actually pre-recorded and mine is not. <laughs> and I just want you guys to know how this works.
0: It, yes, that is how it works. But Garrett, we have a incredible incredible guest today. We have the man, Larry Kendall, joining us today. Good morning, Larry. How are you?
2: Hey, good morning, Matt. Good morning, Garrett. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Good morning. We're excited to have you. And today we have a fun topic too, because this is, we're not necessarily diving deep into ninja selling systems per se, but we're talking about wake up money. We're talking about real estate investments today, which is really exciting particularly for me as I'm looking for investments. Garrett, you already have several, and I know a lot of our listeners might have some, but also being real estate agents, this is something that should be on our radar. This is something that we should be paying attention to.
1: Well, Larry, I'm excited to go down this path with you today because you introduced me to this concept of wake-up money when I was in my 20s. And It was one of those concepts back then that was like, oh, someday I hope to be able to do this. And now I watch a couple of my friends who are in their 20s that are collecting properties. And I was like, why did I wait? Like, (laughs) What was I waiting for? (laughs) I should have made that happen early on. And so I'm really excited to have you on today to help. I think a lot of people when they hear the idea of, okay, what is this idea of wake up money? How does this work? What is it about? And my goal with our time with you today is to help give people a little deeper understanding of what is this idea of wake up money? Where did it come from? And then kind of go into some of the basics of like what should people be kind of paying attention to and maybe some uh areas of win but also areas to be careful of as you're kind of a newer investor and starting this. So, Larry, good morning. Thank you. I'm excited to get going down this path with you.
2: Well, thank you very much again for inviting me on. And this is a a topic that's near and dear to me. I've been teaching wake up money for well, the first class was in 1981 and I think most of the people I know in real estate, they would someday like to be wealthy and a definition of wealth would be that uh, they could wake up in the morning and have enough money coming in that they could do what they want that day. And that's where the idea of wake up money really came from. And uh, as I said, I started teaching uh, within our company, our our uh, sales associates uh, wake up money, how to invest in real estate, how to create a, an investment income and uh many of them are very wealthy from that and then we took it out further and started showing it to our clients so this is a a great you know session that you guys are having not only for your own personal wealth building but also to help your clients build wealth
1: larry you'd mentioned this idea of waking up and having enough and uh I've always that's always got my attention because there's two sides of when people look at it as having enough. They had their dream enough, like their big amount of money they want to have coming in. Like, what if I had fifty thousand dollars through real estate coming in every single month? And then there's that moment of freedom where all of a sudden it's like, okay, my bills are covered. I have enough to do the simple things in life that I want to do. Like, I think it's helpful for a lot of people to understand that that's actually the threshold of enough at first. Where you get freedom, like an instant moment that freedom happens, and then from there you're building wealth, really. Well, absolutely, and uh, you know
2: I think real estate is a tremendous vehicle for this. This is my fiftieth year in real estate, so I've been in real estate a long time through lots of markets and uh, have worked with lots of clients. Frankly, when I look back and and all and I have some very wealthy friends and very wealthy clients. Most of them made their wealth either a in real estate or b building a company that they started and built. Maybe they took it public, uh, whatever. I don't know anybody who became wealthy by uh, investing in the stock market, uh, quite honestly.
1: That's a wake up. (laughs) 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 Now
2: now they may have made money in the stock market, but again, it was typically because, you know, they started a business, they went public or or something like that, or maybe they had an inheritance. But uh, as far as what I call self-made or, you know, Starting pretty much from, from scratch, more people, and, and by the way, this has been documented by a number of uh, studies, probably one of the more famous of which is The Millionaire Next Door. That That's a, a book that um, the research was done. And what they found was more, more wealth is created through real estate than really through any other vehicle. And so we're in that business. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to build wealth and help our clients build wealth.
1: Larry, I'm happy you said that because there's two sides of this. And I watch so many real estate agents that one, don't pick up investment properties for themselves. And here they are. It's like in their backyard. And then I find the ones that do understand the investment side, then their attention can turn into how can I help my clients create wealth? And I have seen some incredible stories Nate Bowie was one that always resonated with me. And I know you have a lot of agents at the group over the years that have actually had goals set around this concept and helping people create tremendous amounts of wealth. And uh, always amazing to watch.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, one of the resources we're gonna provide, it'll be posted, is a a little brochure on the basics of, of how to invest in real estate. And it's what we provide at our Wake Up Money seminars. We do a Wake Up Money seminar once a month at our company, uh, for our clients. And so we'll provide that to you so you can kind of get started. And what we found was that typically we would have uh, about 50 people show up. And however many showed up, within a few months, there would be 20% of that number would be investment properties sold. So if 50 people showed up, uh, that group of 50 would end up buying 10 investment properties. That 20% rule, I've talked to a number of uh, ninjas who uh, are doing uh, these workshops, similar to what we did, the Wake Up Money workshops, or even getting a small group together uh, at dinner or something like that, talking about investments, providing that brochure, talking about it. Again, that that 20% rule always seems to apply. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great opportunity, really, to help your clients understand uh, how to build wealth through real estate.
0: Well, and I find too, just the the more you immerse yourself in talking about real estate investing with people, the the higher likelihood that you're going to take action on it because you're surrounding yourself with people then who are talking about it, learning about it, which is always great. We have um, anywhere you are, you could probably find a, a real estate investment meetup that goes on maybe once a month where a lot of people get together and talk about those things but the the biggest thing I hear from people, Larry, and one of the things that has has held me back too is the a massive kind of just weight of investing in real estate. It's scary, it's big. you typically need some savings to go into a property, and so I think a lot of people just stop before they even get started because maybe they're not sure how to start so kind of coming to the beginning of wake up money, what is your method or what is your advice? What's the first step that somebody should take if they're sitting there saying, "Hey, I want to start on this path to wake up money"?
2: Well, I, I always like to start with you know why real estate as the uh, as the vehicle, and and I think first of all, most people understand real estate; they understand housing because they live in a house, you know. So this is not some sort of exotic investment that that they don't understand. Number two, homes are one of the three basics: food, shelter, and clothing. So there's there's always a need for for real estate. It's, it's not some sort of fad investment. What I like about it, if you can scratch together the down payment, and if you can then have the tenant rent pay for the mortgage, basically the tenant is buying you the property. And then the last thing I like about it is homes generate income, and especially when you get them free and clear. My first initial goal was to assemble 10 properties. I, I wanted to get 10 houses. And at that stage, when you're in the acquisition mode, you do it with minimum down payment because the amount of cash you have to work with is limited. So I'm buying them, you know, with as little down as possible. But once I got my 10, that was for me enough. Then my goal was to get them free and clear. And so you kind of go through various stages. And so the first stage, as you ask there, Matt, you know, how do you get started? Well, you get started by, uh, number one, understanding real estate which we do because we're in that business and that it's a basic. And one of the best investors that I've worked with was a guy named Don, and he was a carpet layer. Don would come in the office and he'd say, what do you have for me? And we'd go look and Don would buy basic properties that had good bones, good floor plans, good construction, maybe need a little bit of uh, paint and carpet. He could do that. And uh, his his rule of thumb was if I could buy a good property in a good location for 20 to 25 percent down and have it break even, I should buy that property. That was his formula. I think that's a formula that if I was getting started, that's what I would look for. Where can I buy a property with 20 to 25 percent down that will uh, cash flow or break even? And I think if you could do that, and if it's a good property in a good location, that would be your start. So um, that's kind of the basic formula. As far as where do you get the down payment, you know, that's a little bit of a challenge. You've got to, you know, manage your money, uh, manage your spending, begin to build that. But also if you have a retirement plan and if you set it up properly, and this probably is a whole nother podcast on it. I going to say. <laughs> set up a retirement plan. Your retirement plan can buy property. A lot of people typically have a lot of cash laying in their retirement plans
1: and uh, if you set that up uh, properly, then your retirement plan could buy real estate. Mm. You know, Larry. Some some of the people that I know that have made a tremendous amount of wealth in real estate. When you ask how did you get started, how did you do this, the first thing that I always hear is, "Well, first we live below our means." I know when I first met you, and you were already well in the investment game when we first got a chance to to be around each other. But one of the things I always admired about you is you didn't drive the brand new fancy cars. You didn't have all the new stuff. And you had money left over at the end of the day off of between you and your wife's income to be like, this is investment money. That's this is how we're living our life. Where yeah. you could have very easily said, you know what, let's scrap this whole investment thing and let's get the veil house. Let's go do this. Let's get all these you know other things that we can have. So I think one is I think when you talk about getting this 20 to 25% I think what is is like, check how you're living first. And are we pushing the limits or are we living below our means? Because there's a lot of cash if you're living below your means. Well, there is, and especially
2: in, in our industry where we have this unlimited income that we can make. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of people, as their income goes up, so does their spending. And before long, they're tracking right along with each other and they're living basically commission to commission. Nothing more frustrating for me than to see somebody making a half million a year. And being flat broke, they don't have the money for an investment property. They don't have the money for anything, because they they you know they haven't control of their spending. In the ninja installation, we teach a wealth creation model, which is exactly what you said, Garrett. Which is uh, you know we'll show you how to increase your income, but then you got to keep your baseline under control, and that's that's really the start to where you get the cash
1: for your uh, first investment property. So you talked about this twenty 25- five twenty to don's model we're just going to call it don 's model right now to twenty twenty five percent down and make sure it cash flows and that was a golden nugget I took from you many years ago, and that 's how I got into investing it's still how I invest today because for me, I can sleep at night knowing that no matter what happens, the market drops, that thing's still producing cash flow for me i 'm not worried about it any way, shape or form, even though the crazy thing is they they all those have appreciated over the time that i've uh, held them. We had talked a little bit earlier, and you've mentioned this to me before. This idea of the investment period, uh, pyramid. Sorry, and I'm hoping you can elaborate a little bit on this kind of investment period because a pyramid. I'm not going to say it right <laughs> because I think a lot of people overstep as they're starting to invest. They, you know, they they see other people investing, like I want to get into it too, and they go and buy a fourplex or they go get into some other. They kind of skip the steps a little bit, like an Airbnb or something like that, right away yeah, and I'm hoping you can elaborate a little bit on that.
2: yeah, you bet and and um, you know, I taught for ten years in the College of Business at Colorado State University. You can actually get a degree in real estate there and and so one of the things I teach our students is uh, you know when you come out of college, the first your first goal is to get a job. So at the base of the pyramid is income. So let's get your income uh, up. you can follow the ninja selling system that will help you get your income established then uh next would be to buy a house you know don't be renting uh, buy a house get a house that would be next on the uh, the pyramid then next would be your residential investment properties the houses the condos the townhouses the basics uh we would recommend that you buy main what we call mainstream properties properties that are you know in the average or below average price point properties that are you know your your classic three bedroom two bath there would be a large group of renters, potential renters for this property. Get some of those and get experience in that kind of a property first. Before you move up, then let's say next would be uh, moving up the uh, the pyramid would be duplexes, fourplexes, eightplexes. Maybe, you know, now you're starting to get into some apartments. And again, you're still in residential, but the formulas for valuation are different. The management responsibilities are different. You're starting to play with some of the big boys that you're going to be competing with uh, the big apartment developers. You, you better know what you're doing before you jump into that into that game. Then you know next would maybe maybe be some commercial real estate, uh, maybe office buildings, retail, industrial. At the top of the pyramid is being a developer. Now, as you go up that pyramid, you exponentially increase your risk. So we would not recommend that you, for your very first investment property, you buy a retail building or become a developer. Uh, start and build a a portfolio of houses. I've done everything on that pyramid. Uh, we were in the development business for a while. We, we got handed up a, a pretty tough situation in the early 80s. Uh, we were developing an office park, interest rates, uh, if you know what happened, Uh <laughs> Uh, the prime
0: rate went to 20%. We were too over prime
2: on our development loan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and everybody's complaining about six and a half, seven right now.
2: Yeah. And frankly, the only thing that saved us was the fact that that we had a portfolio of single family houses that I could take into the bank and, and pledge basically for them to renew that commercial loan and keep us going uh, to build that park, that office park. And so- uh, we had a very strong base there with our with our uh, houses. And so that would be my recommendation. You start that way. You know, Don, the carpet layer, his simple formula, which I think is great. And I, I saw Don the other day, his income is $46,000 a month from his property. The guy probably never made more than 30,000 a year laying carpet, but he's got $46,000 a month from his houses. And so um, uh, that would be, what I would recommend. Now, one thing you mentioned, uh, VRBOs or Airbnbs, that is a relatively new asset class that has come in uh, in the last several years that bears some discussion because that is really changing a lot of the formulas for uh, investment. And that's probably, again, a whole nother podcast just on that. But that's a... uh, uh, that's an option, too. Again, I wouldn't start there. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I would start with the basics, like we talked about, because as you move up that, that would be closer to the top of the pyramid, the uh, right. the, the vacation yeah. rental. And the biggest risk you have there is because it's become so popular, especially in, in resort areas, that some of those resorts are now starting to pass legislation to either limit or even totally eliminate. And if you bought a, a vacation rental based upon the, the, the projected cash flow and then all at once that gets outlawed, you got a problem. There's some risk involved there. So again, go with the basics.
1: I was just talking with somebody the other day that they had an entire subdivision built in their resort area that was specifically set up for these vacation rental type properties. And uh, everybody bought into it. This is where they you know, said, OK, I'm going to get into the, doing this type of investment. And they, they outlawed it. Yeah. So all now. All these people are sitting here with these properties, and they can't rent them out the way they thought. Nothing is penciling out the way that they intended it to pencil out. And you made a joke with me the other day, Larry. We were kind of talking about this. this now you got an alligator on your hands. <laughs> 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 and what do you do with it? Yeah, that's a that's a negative cash flow property. Uh,
2: it's an alligator, and the alligator has to be fed every month. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's you want a good do. one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, I want to you mentioned good location right and so i want to talk about that for a little bit too is like so you know a solid single family house in a good location how would you classify a good location and and thinking about because maybe somebody lives in an area where they're like hey i'd love to invest here but based on the median price you know for an investment i don't have that down payment i might want to go invest somewhere else where the prices might be lower so how do i identify a good location
2: Uh, Great question. Uh, Three thoughts on that. Number one is one of the basics of of evaluation is that the big values carry the small values. Big values would be, for example, uh, employment centers, shopping centers, parks, trails, you know, universities. When I started, we bought right around the university because that was the big value. That would consider if you want to be in the student rental business, you know, buy within a mile of the university. That was, you know, that would be an example of a good location. Our major employer, one of our major employers is Hewlett Packard. Buy near Hewlett Packard. People that want to live close to that plant or buy on the park or buy on the trail system. Look for the the amenities, the big amenities in your neighbor, in your community. That would be number one. Number two would be buy in the path of growth. The simplest way is just to go to where in your town where the Street numbers start Uh, in Fort Collins. That would be at the corner of Mountain Avenue and College Avenue. Stand on the street corner and ask people, which way is this town growing? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's growing south. Okay, then I want to move.
1: I want to look south. I don't probably want to
2: look north as so much Uh, would be an example.
1: Well, before you move on to the next one, Larry... I'm sitting here standing, I'm thinking about reading right now. And I'm like going, okay, well, I've never thought about that. Like, what direction is this town growing in? I have now a vision. Thank you very much
2: for that. <laughs> well, and going a step further, one of the things I've taught and and frankly have made our clients millions is if they're a developer, I say, go to Mountain College, stand on the corner, which direction is, it? you know, the growth headed. Well, they know it's headed south. So they head south. Come to the first piece of vacant land. That you see a sign on, call and ask how much is that land? Get a price. Usually, it's a price per square foot. Keep going until the price switches to price per acre, and buy hmm. at the inflection point where price per square foot meets price per acre. Buy the price per acre, and within a year or two, it'll be priced at price per square
0: foot. That's very interesting.
1: All right, well, I think the podcast is over, Larry. I got things to go <laughs> do right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I did. I I was on the uh, the Laramore County Open Lands Board. For a number of years, and and we were we were wanting to buy a buffer between Fort Collins and Loveland, and I went through that formula with him, and I said, "Here's the next piece of property that's going to become, is going to basically fall to development. It would not be available for open space or as an open space buffer, and we need to buy it. We need to buy it right now, which we did. It's, it's called Longview Farm, and sure enough, we bought it. I think we bought it for ten ten or twelve thousand dollars an acre, and Immediately right next to it, that property came on the market at a uh, buck fifty per, per square foot, which is about sixty thousand dollars an acre.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty instant appreciation, right there. <laughs> 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 okay, so we got big amenities, path of growth, anything else that we should look for in a location.
2: No, I think those are kind of the basics on the, obviously, some of the others, you know, be careful if you're back into a busy street or, you know, that type of thing. And then look at the property itself, make sure it's structurally sound. You know, if there's some cosmetic things, you could fix those, you know, paint, carpet, that type of thing. But those are, you know, the basics. And again, we're going to post a brochure on this, uh, kind of going through that list, uh, if you want to refer to it after the podcast.
1: Larry, you lightly mentioned, I want to kind of like switch this back over to like how can realtors help also their clients in building wealth? And you talked about some of these events that you used to do. We have mutual friends that have done these events and have had major success with helping people build investment portfolios. How did the group start doing? Because I've heard some great stories of literally like getting everybody together in the Harmony office. So I'm sure you did this at other buildings before the Harmony office even existed. And Literally having a showcase of properties in vans, like for everybody to kind of go and get into and go out and look at properties. From what I remember hearing, and I might be making some of this stuff up. Do you want to share with me the, kind of like your way that you used to structure those and how you did them? Yeah, a couple things.
2: We would um, uh, invite our clients. Uh, we typically would have it started about five thirty. We would invite them to come. We would provide a a subway. A sandwich. We had. They had to RSVP. It was free. We didn't charge for it, but they had to register so we know how many sandwiches to buy. Uh, they would come in. They would get their sandwich. They would sit down, and we would do about an hour presentation for them on the basics of of investing in real estate. Uh, we provide the brochure to them that we're going to provide to all of you. Uh, at the end, our realtors were coached to simply ask this question: Do you have any questions? And at that point, they were so excited (laughs) that uh, they would say, yeah, you know, I want to buy something. And we would typically take all of our listings that we felt would qualify. That is, uh, they were mainstream homes, good locations, and we'd do an economic analysis on them. We we would show, you know, what the cash flow would be, what the principal reduction would be, some conservative appreciation uh, projections. And we would have uh, properties that if they wanted to buy, we had properties available for them to take a look at. And as I mentioned, uh, typically we would uh, have about 20% of the attendance would be the number of houses we would sell from that particular event. I know a ninja that would do this at a dinner. He would invite uh, maybe 10 or 12 people to dinner. Said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to talk about real estate and we're going to have a nice dinner and, and I'll answer your questions. And he would end up selling about two houses per dinner and uh, 24 sales a year. You know, it's a great, it's a great way to, to do it. And so uh, this is a great opportunity for you. It's a great opportunity as well for, um, to help build wealth with your clients. One of my favorite stories, and you can actually see this story on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and Google uh, wake up money, Look for the one with Joanne de Leon. Uh Joanne is an associate at the group. She had a, a young man. Uh, he's a s basically a, a government worker. He works for this uh the uh I'm sure well it's it's whoever controls or manages Social Security. So he sets people up on their social security and so on. His name's Jocko. And so Jocko's father passed away. His mother had passed earlier. His father passed away. Jocko inherited a $600,000 house, free and clear. And uh, he's young guys and he's probably early 30s. Uh, didn't know what to do with it. Everybody says, you need to get an investment advisor. You need to go into the stock market. Joanna invited him to the Wake Up Money class. And at the end, she says, Jocko, do you have any questions? And he says, yeah. Do I have enough money to buy seven? And she says, "As actually, you do. And so they proceeded to buy seven investment properties over the next two or three months. Wow. And what's interesting story about Jocko today is he has wake up money. Those seven properties, he has enough coming in from those that uh, he quit his job at the social services and he's at the age of about 40, uh, he's retired.
1: I think the amazing thing with these these classes, these Wake Up Money seminars that you've put on, Larry, and then many other agents we've watched have put them on, there's two things with this. One is it helps people understand what it means to be a home investor or invest in real estate, which I think... There's a lot of people that have imposter syndrome with it when they're kind of looking at doing it, going, yeah, but that's not me. Other people do that. You know, wealthy people I know invest in real estate. And this kind of breaks it down in a way that makes people go, you mean I could do it? Like that? this could be me. This could be my, my strategy. And second is, is you, as you've probably noticed, and I've noticed with agents that have built a business around this, you know, here you have 10 people that come to it, you sell two properties out of it. The interesting thing that I have found is those people that buy investment properties, that's not their last investment properties they're ever going to buy. So now you have people that are comfortable with being home investors. They buy a property, this this go around with you. But now they're in your investment portfolio of people that when good properties come up, there's someone you can have a conversation with because they understand it now. And then you do another investment seminar and you maybe bring two people out of that group of 10 and you start building this network of investors that starts to become exponential as you continue to grow your business over the long term. It's really an amazing strategy for building your own personal business. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, you'll build a, what we call a stable of
2: investors. Uh, maybe you have, you know, 20, 25 investors that each one will buy a, a property a year or a property every two years. You know, it's, it stabilizes your income. And uh, they get it. They love it. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about, uh, which is an objection, I, I sometimes hear, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that because I, I don't want to have to deal with, you know, the maintenance issues or I don't want to get a call. At, you know, I'm at dinner and, and there's a, a refrigerator goes out or something. You know, you hear all that. Well, my, my advice on that would be then hire a professional manager. Pat and I build our portfolio Over the years, at at one point, I think uh, the most we had at one point was 33 properties and we were managing them. Uh, Basically, Pat was managing them. I would manage the money side. She managed the tenant side. As we've, I guess you could say, uh, starting to power down in our lives. (laughs) We're starting to travel. Well, we're starting to travel more and and, and it's really hard to manage properties when you're on the road and when you're traveling and when you're on vacation. So Uh, A couple of years ago, we finally hired a property manager. And what's interesting is two things. Number one is uh, our cash flow is actually higher with the property manager than it was when we were doing the management because the property manager gets higher rents, gets better tenants, is more diligent in the management of it. And the number two thing is, uh, as I look back on on what what did we do right, what did, did we do wrong, we did a lot right, but one of the things I would have done is I would have hired a property manager earlier in our career.
1: Mm. I've done both so far. I've had the properties without the property manager, and I've had in all everyone we have right now, mainly because they're out of state, uh, I do have the property manager on, and, and that, that fear that everybody has of like maintenance and these phone calls and you know having to evict people and all that kind of stuff, Yeah, I got nothing. I don't have those conversations. My uh, property manager calls me and says, we got a problem. I got it taken care of. We have a new renter coming in here. We've already got somebody lined up. Thank you. I'm <laughs> going about doing my rest of my other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Your property manager, too, when you're thinking about buying a property,
2: you can call your property manager. They can look at it. They can tell you what it'll rent for. So that's how you you start to build uh, You know, the economic analysis is, uh, well, it starts with, what do I have to pay for it? What would it rent for?
0: Well, so speaking of that, getting into some of the numbers, hiring a property manager—you know, people start kind of like, "Oh gosh, how do I how do I start to do the math on this?" What are some kind of um, rules around starting to evaluate something? Because obviously, we'll take into account the price of the property, a down payment, a mortgage, and then what rent it will bring. Are there other metrics that you have in there? You know, a um, reserve. For potential vacancy, a reserve for capital improvements, things like that. Are there some other numbers that you like to have built into that equation before you say, "Hey, this is a good investment property"? Versus just saying, "Oh, the rent covers my mortgage, so I'm good to go." It's like, wait, what about insurance and all these other things?
2: Yeah, we uh, we provide a a simple investment analysis form to fill out. Uh, what is the projected rent? What would be the vacancy? You know, what would be the operating expenses? Uh, you know, if you're financing it, you know, what is the financing? Uh, the interest rate, the payment, what is the cash flow? Is there cash flow? Uh, is it break even? What is the principal reduction? Because again, the tenant's buying you the property; they're paying rent, which goes towards the mortgage. Which a portion of that is reducing the mortgage. I would be careful on your appreciation. Historically, in the United States, appreciation has been uh, about five percent a year. You know, it went crazy, the, you know, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one with you know, double digit appreciation. Stay away from that. I always use, you know, very conservative numbers, two, three, four, five percent or less, you know, five percent or less on my projections. But uh we'll provide you with a, a a simple form that you can use to uh to develop that analysis. And uh again, on your on your rents, a good property manager can tell you if you're doing it yourself, there's there's various uh, uh rental sites local rental sites um you know some of my favorites there's one called pad mapper another one's called rentometer a lot of people don't realize this but zillow actually has a uh, they have a rent estimate now too they have a rent rent estimate now i was teaching a class in seattle and i said let's do this i don't know anything about uh, seattle but let's just go on zillow let's go down uh let's pick out a house so we ended up picking out a house in kirkland i've never been to, i don't even Quite sure where Kirkland is. I think it's a suburb of Seattle. But we picked out a house right there online in in front of the class and uh, said, okay, uh, here's the price of it. Uh, Let's now look at the solds to make sure that that's in the ballpark. And we kind of did a simple comparative market analysis, decided it was probably fairly priced. I said, now let's look at the, let's go to the rent side of that Zillow site. Let's come up with the rents. Now let's fill out our worksheet. Okay, we know what we can buy it for. We know what the rents are. Uh, let's estimate a, uh, we know what the the, the uh, interest rate will be. We know what our payment will be. Uh, we sat right there and was able to analyze a property that, you know, I'm not familiar with that market, but we could do it. And uh, this is how, by the way, Garrett mentioned he owns properties throughout the country. This is one of the ways you can do that. You know, if you're looking at, at at a market, maybe you're in in the Bay Area or maybe you're in Aspen, Colorado, where the average sales price is, you know, seven or eight million. You're not going to buy an investment property there. You might be trying to do a VRBO or something, but um, there are places in the country that the numbers still make wonderful sense and uh, you need to be able to find those those markets and do your analysis. And uh, it's it's really not that hard to do. With the internet, especially.
1: Once you have the way of doing the analysis, I think that's one thing. I think the nice thing with us being realtors is that realtors are notorious for going to conferences all over the United States. I, you guys probably are aware that they hold these, these classes. You can go travel and everybody goes and parties for the weekend. There is some learning that happens. And at these conferences, you get to meet a lot of people. You get to network with a lot of people. And once you have a strategy or an investment calculator, what I have found is that you can you can actually just say hey like I'm curious like what do you have like give me some properties give me some numbers here and I, that's where I've found some great investments is just actually plugging in some properties and all of a sudden I mean the last couple of properties I bought it was one of those moments of like oh wait that can't be right these numbers are too high but give me <laughs> another one give me another one and after like 3 I was like okay we're changing strategies here now like I got to figure out how to buy one of these <laughs> And there are pockets, there's little pockets around the United States that, and it, and it moves too. And I think that's an interesting thing you have to pay attention to is when you find one, that's not always the area. It's going to be that area for right now. And then you'll realize that, okay, there's another better market over here that's up and coming or growing, and you can kind of figure that out. So that's
2: one of the benefits, I think, of uh, of the Ninja Nation and, and having a network of people that you can, or you can just go to ninjaselling.com, click on find a ninja. And you can find a ninja in almost any market in the country and you can ask them, okay, what, you know, which direction is the town growing? You know, what are the major values that will carry the, the smaller values? Uh, what, what would this rent for? Who would be a good property manager? You know, they'll help you uh, find that property, acquire that property. You want boots on the ground, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, local talent, uh, local ninjas that are helping you find the property, the property manager, et cetera. But, uh, I'm seeing more and more
1: investors uh, not limiting themselves to the town they live in. I think also, as you said, boots on the ground, you know, even having a a handyman and things like that, that that you can have that taken care of for you so you're comfortable with it. Because I know like for us, when we buy a property, we don't get the property management involved right up front, but we do have a handyman in that area that we trust that can come in, do all the work that we need to do, get that all done, because you don't want to have your, you know... Property management take a cut on all the improvements that you're doing on the house before you actually put it on the market or put it up for rent. Learn that from you, Larry. That was one of your things you said. Be really careful how much your property management also is going to take out of doing improvements and and maintenance stuff. So right, yeah. We keep saying property manager, but you want a
2: quote good property manager. Yes, Yes. because <laughs> <laughs> there are some, and and that's where you need to, some due diligence. And again, boots on the ground will tell you who are the who are the property managers that
0: they're doing a great job and and which ones should just stay away from. Yeah. Yeah, it makes and and it's worth every penny too. I think a lot of people get scared when they hear like oh, 9 10% for a property manager, but as in your experience Larry, you just said your cash flow's gone up right. since hiring somebody because of all the other positive experiences that come with it. Not to mention when you think about wake up money you truly do get to wake up the next day without having to worry about doing the things right, right? i think a lot of people think that the their first investment property is going to be 100% passive and truly wake up money whereas there you got to put in some work in this too it's not like you're just going right. to you know buy a property tomorrow and then you know blink and 30 years gone by and everything's taken care of hiring a property manager can help that but there is some work you got to do up front too right of course
2: one thing uh, I might mention that we're seeing more and more of right now is you have, um, and again, we've been doing this for over forty years. These these classes, we have this amazing stable of investors, and uh, some of them are starting to age out now. I mean, they're they're in their seventies. Some of them managed themselves because that's what they wanted to do. Uh, they don't want to do that uh, any longer. They own their properties free and clear, and now what some of them are doing is they're they're selling those properties and carrying the financing. Mm-hmm. And um, right now with with mortgage rates at, you know, six or seven, if they could offer somebody the opportunity to, uh, they would carry the financing for maybe
0: five or, you know, 5%, you know,
2: one one or two points below market,
0: that's still better than- and your closing costs change too, because now you don't have a, you, you, it's just between yeah. you and the seller that you don't have a bank involved. Right. You don't have that whole underwriting process.
2: And and so they're looking at it, uh, number one, I, I can't get 5% in, in a, a CD, you know, so I'm getting uh, a greater amount there. In some cases, they may be uh, netting more with uh, by carrying the financing than they are by renting the property, okay? But the big thing for them is that they can sell the property and they only pay taxes on the cash they actually receive. They pay capital gains. For example, if they sell a $500,000 property... The buyer puts 20% down, $100,000 down. they own this property free and clear. They've owned it forever. They've depreciated it out. It it has no uh, zero basis. If they sell the property traditionally, they have a $500,000 capital gain uh, that they have to pay taxes on. But if they carry the financing, they only pay taxes on the $100,000 of cash they actually received. So they avoid $400,000 of capital gain. Now they'll pay that at some day, maybe, maybe not. It depends on how their estate plan is set up, but they don't have to pay it uh, immediately. This is very attractive. I was, I was at the bank a couple months ago. Uh, I'm old school. I still go into the bank. I like to stand at the teller line, <laughs> make it, make a deposit. There's another old guy standing next to me, probably like me. He likes to go into the bank and you know see the people and make a deposit. He looks over, he says, Hey, Larry, he said, uh, You don't know me, but I went to your wake up money class. And he says, That deal of, of selling your, your property and carrying the financing, that really works like I did two last year. I'm going to do two more this year. Well, not only is that a great opportunity for him, but think about your first time buyers or your people that are struggling to, to find property or to, you know, with interest rates. It's a huge opportunity. If you put together a community, like we do with with our investors, that you've got people that want to sell, people that want to buy and they can carry the financing it's it's a huge opportunity for everybody
0: well so this this highlights the advantage of, of any real estate agent being plugged into the investment community, not just to invest in real estate but to have access to those opportunities even for their
1: their primary home buyers. Exactly. Well you Larry you called it your stable of investors and I think that that's you know as you start to look at like as this thing grows and the parts of it that you can start to use to help everybody out you know having people that are a- investors that are starting to age out of the owning the property and being able to make connections in here with people that are trying to be investors what an incredible opportunity that you can help but it it's not a flick the switch and you've got it this is something that as you're sitting here listening to this This is a business strategy to think about how do I want to grow this and how do I want to help people, but tremendous opportunity. Some of these uh, investors too,
2: because they own their properties free and clear, take Don, the carpet later, you know, he still, (laughs) he still lives in, in his very conservative house. And yet he's got almost a $50,000 a month cash flow. Well, do the math on that. I mean, and so now maybe he doesn't want to be an investor anymore. Maybe he's the lender. And so I'm seeing a lot of these guys that have, they just have so much cash, they don't know what to do with it all. And they they don't trust the stock market. They put it in the bank, but it's earning hardly anything. They would rather put it out. They understand real estate. I'll I, you know i make you a loan on that property, especially a, a first mortgage. If something goes bad, I know how to fix that. You know, I own 40 houses uh, or have had, in, you know, that type of thing. So there's just huge opportunities right now for everybody
0: got my head spinning a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sitting. I, I have lots of notes, Larry. I, I appreciate this conversation more than you know. Yeah, I think you know, kind of to like kind of put a bow on this. I mean, we've obviously gone down a couple of different routes. We've talked about how can you help your clients with this. We talked about kind of the basics of you know investing and in what you should be looking for. Because I do think the best. Realtors that can teach investing and help people invest need to be doing it themselves. I think it 's uh when you don 't have a portfolio, at least one property that you can look back on and share your story of this is how I invest this is what i do It just be you become much more credible to the people that you 're helping guide through this process. I would be very leery if I was trying to get into investing, talking to my real estate agent going, how many do you own? I'm like, oh no, I don't invest in real estate. Like, <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> so I think that, I mean, Larry, you've shared so much great information with us today. And I know this is one of those things we always joke about. We could keep going here for probably hours. And there's a couple of things that you've mentioned that I'm like, Oh, that's a whole different ball game. We're going to go down if we go down that route. Is there any last thing you'd want to share about wake up money and, and helping people kind of get started around this concept as we sign off here?
2: Yeah. I think uh, one thing I'd say, I, I think there's again, a, a certain amount of misunderstanding about uh, the process and, and uh, real estate investments. And I would encourage all of the ninjas that are on this uh, podcast to, uh, To take a look at the little brochure, Uh, one of the things that it covers in there is what's called the rule of leverage. I had this conversation uh, recently with a stockbroker, and of course, he's making the case for stocks, and I'm making the case for real estate, and he says, you know, uh, you said that the average appreciation over time on real estate is about 5%, but if you look at the average return on stocks over time, it's about 8%. And so why would anybody in their right mind make an investment in something that only earns 5% when you could be in the stock market over time and earn 8%? Well, obviously, I mean, he's a very sharp guy, has an MBA, but he doesn't understand the rule of leverage. So let's go back to the Don the Carpet Layers formula: 20% down, break even or cash flow. Let's say the property just breaks even. You're putting 20% down. The tenant is making the payments. Okay, so you have no cash flow, but you have no outflow either. Take the down payment of 20%, convert it to a fraction. So you convert 20% to one-fifth. Take the denominator, that'd be the lower number, the number, the bottom number, the five, and multiply that times the appreciation. And that will give you the return on investment the first year, which would be five times five, which would be 25%. Your money is going to go increase by 20. It's, it's a 25% return on investment. So let's let's just walk through a simple example. Let's say I'm going to keep the math simple. So we're going to use a $100,000 purchase price. Uh, 20% down would be $20,000. If that $100,000 property goes up 5%, it goes up $5,000. Divide $5,000 by the $20,000, and what do you have? Well, you have a 25% return on investment. What kind of return on investment do you get if you had, like, in 2020, huh. <laughs> where you had... 10% or 15% or 20%. And, and this is just the return on investment. This doesn't count the principal reduction. It's not unusual in real estate for our investors to earn 12 to 20% return on investment. And when I explained that to the stockbroker, he got the funniest look on his face and he said, you yeah, I never thought of it that way. Well, again, it's the power of leverage and it's the power of, of real estate. How many properties did you sell the stockbroker? <laughs> <laughs> He, bought, he just bought his first investment property. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> but he's 50 years old. Good grief, you know. Uh, he should have been buying them all along. But anyway, it's never too late to get started.
1: I love it. I love it. There's a couple of things that you'd mentioned, uh, like books we could be reading or people could be reading to kind of help them get their mindset in the right place. And you also mentioned, um, before we got started, some uh, YouTube videos and things that maybe people could find to help educate themselves a little bit on the idea of Wake Up Money. you want to kind of share some of those with us? Yeah, go to uh, YouTube and just put in
2: Wake Up Money or Larry Kendall. And there's quite a few in there, quite a few snippets from some of our classes. I think it'll be helpful. Books that we would recommend, uh, any of the Robert Kiyosaki books. My favorite is Cashflow Quadrant. His most famous is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The best book right now I think uh, all of us have read is uh, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Morgan is a uh, a writer for The Wall Street Journal. It's a wonderful book. It fits right in with everything we've talked about today.
0: Yeah, that's good. Matt, do you have any last questions? I'll share one resource that I've found useful is biggerpockets.com. I think we've mentioned that on the podcast before. They have oh, yeah. calculators in their networks. If you're like, hey, how can I find people in my area who are into investing that I can talk to? They're probably on BiggerPockets. You could probably find people. You can find the meetups in your area where you can Get started with those conversations, just so that you're you're talking to people who are thinking in that same direction. I was looking at this wake up money handout. I may have an old one, Larry, but one of the things you had mentioned on here is um you know, don't partner unless you have to and make sure that partner is of the same age, similar values, and same goals. And, um, you know, I was thinking, yes, the, the real estate investment meetups, you'll probably find people who are at your similar age, similar goals that you can learn from not necessarily to partner with, but then at least you guys are aligned so you can grow together.
2: That's great suggestion to plug into the, basically the investment community. You know, you mentioned bigger pockets. There's, there's a number of, of podcasts, there's books, there's, you know, seminars you can go to. Uh, be careful of <laughs> be careful of the seminars of the guys who are selling a bunch of stuff at the back of the room, and the get get rich quick. Uh, I don't think this is not a get rich quick. But uh, one of the uh, partners at uh, the group, who an early investor, he was featured on uh, Bigger Pockets. Oh, nice! They put together really in a period of about six or seven years, became financially independent through real estate. So, plug into these different networks. And uh what's the old saying? The most important influence on your success is your reference group, your peer group, the people you're hanging out with, the people that
0: you're learning from. Mm, Hands down.
1: I think like with bigger pockets, Matt, I've spent a lot of time. My wife and I've spent a lot of time. And I think as I was sitting here listening to you, Larry, when we talk about the investment pyramid with all the different levels that you can go up, just remember as you're listening to that podcast. There are many people in there that are involved in different levels of that pyramid and uh, know where you're starting at and how you're growing in there. And there's great things to learn for the future. But right now, again, come up with a simple strategy to get started because you can bite off more than you can chew real quick if you're not careful.
2: You bet. If you go to Bigger Pockets and want to see that video I mentioned, uh, it look for Robert Jones. Uh, Robert is at the group. Uh, he and Sarah, his wife, uh, built a, an amazing portfolio very quickly in real estate.
1: And great tools on there, too, for yes. figuring out investments. I, um, I've um i had a lot of people that I've talked to recently that have used those calculators and tools to help them find good investments. So good stuff on there. Yeah. Well, Larry, I want to... This is amazing. Oh, yeah. I want to <laughs> say thank you so much, as always, for coming and joining us today. You always bring such great content, information, and this is something that uh, we're doing a lot of work inside our coaching program right now uh, through Ninja Coaching and helping people start to, one, build wealth for themselves, but also help their clients build wealth. So this piggyback's perfect. with. We just had a panel of five investors on and all their different strategies and how they do it. And we shared that internally with all the people that are part of our coaching community. And uh, this is just another level of this. And I really appreciate everything you shared with us today. Well, thank to, uh, thanks to both of you for the difference you're making in so many lives uh, with this
0: podcast. Uh,
2: it's an honor to be a
0: part of it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Larry. We wouldn't be here without you for sure. So we appreciate you very much and and for ta- and taking the time to share your wisdom with us and with our audience. And I'm sure they're incredibly thankful for it as well.
1: Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, thank you everybody for paying attention. As always, if you want to learn more about the Ninja Selling concepts that you hear about through the podcast here, please go to ninjaselling.com. You can learn about everything you want to learn about there, about how this system is created, classes that are coming up. You can also learn about the coaching program through there which if you want to find yourself an individual coach to help you with the systems, we can do that. And if you want to be part of a larger community, as Matt said, the fastest growing community in the world. Universe. 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 Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that is through Facebook and that is the Ninja Selling Podcast community. Please come and join us in there. We've got a great group, over 12,000 people in there. And uh, again, a- amazing community. So Matt, thank you. And Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com.
0: There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.